0: Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned.
1: This is it, the Night of Nights. No more nursing and rehearsing of parts. We know every part by heart. Welcome to the final episode in Max Mike Movies' series on James Bond called Affectionately. Get him, Jimmy! We've seen the best, the worst, well, not the worst yet, and we've reported mm. to you, dear listeners, about what we think this series has to offer and for what it needs to apologize deeply. We'll also deeply. be discussing this series in its entirety due to a suggestion from one of our dear, beloved listeners who, in a turn I did not seem coming, has since fired us from our own podcast, yeah. Well, I just—well, <laughs> I just might be your host with the mutant ability to hum every doorbell he's ever heard from memory. Mike Luce, <laughs> that over there is indeed the expert on all things lint. Max Levine. We host. Fascinating. We sing. We dance. But first, we business. So hey. We also, did. You... We are also the boys of the chorus.
0: We hope you like our show. We know you're rooting for us, but now we gotta go. <laughs> well,
1: you do. Fired. Okay. <laughs> So business! Hey, you're listening to us probably because you heard us on the Google Podcast app or the Apple iTunes Podcast app. If you didn't, you might have heard us from Spotify. Ooh, Spotify. More likely, though, you probably saw an announcement on one of our amazing uh, social media accounts, such as Facebook or um, Twitter, where we are both known as Max Mike Movies, which happens to be the name of the podcast if you somehow got this far and didn't know it. Then, of course, you can yeah. always go to our website, which is chock full of super spacey goodness. Every episode is perfectly preserved in carbonite for your listening pleasure. And <laughs> Oh, no, carbonite! No, that's right, Spot Maker. Uh, you can also comment as uh, Young Cheese Boy did, although we would prefer to leave the firing to us. Yeah. Um, but there you can make comments on the episodes as well. And hey, if you want to drop us a line, please drop us a line at us. At maxmicmovies.com. We will be most, most, most appreciative. Toasty. But hey, one thing I did not do is mention what is today's movie, Max? What is today's movie? Ah. Ah.
0: This, yes, this is the final outing of Roger Moore as blonde. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bond. A view, or excuse me, it's just view to a bad movie. A view to a kill. View sorry. to a kill, view Paul. Kill. You know. Yes. You know, yes. A view to a kill. 1985's View to a Kill. Because, of course, the kids are still humming that catchy, catchy theme song by Duran Duran. Which, to be fair, actually charted very well. <laughs> it was like the, I think it's the only Bond
1: song up to that point that hit number one. Yeah. Uh I have to say, though, as far as Duran Duran goes, this is not their most memorable song. We'll leave Mm -hmm. that to, I don't know, Rio. Um, Yes, View to a Kill. We saved the best for last, so you don't have (laughs) to. Excuse me. Yes? The show. So, View to a Kill. Now, let's get this Mm -hmm. over with. So, trivia. And yes, yes, yes. As Max is fond of saying, the entire movie is fairly trivial. Yeah. Yeah. Trivia. Budget, $30 Mm -hmm. Overall take... One hundred fifty-four million, still a hit. Hit. Hit.
0: Wow. Yeah. You could just—that was back when you could just slap the name Bond on something and
1: people shelled out the money. And we'll get to that. Roger Moore, fifty-seven, and it shows. (laughs) Ooh, he had work done before this movie. Not enough. Um, (laughs) Moore himself hated the movie. Hated working with Grace Jones. Thought this was too violent a movie to be a real Bond film. The scenes. The scenes where Zorin is shooting people down in the mine being the most egregious part in his eye, so. As opposed to Goldfinger shooting soldiers in the back, really? Uh, yes, but they use poison gas, so it's, um, (laughs) it's festive. (laughs) (laughs) The poison gas makes it festive. Um, blink, Uh and you will miss Dolph Lundgren's first film role, and he got it not Mm. at all because he was Grace Jones' boyfriend at the time.
0: i think he yes, plays you got to admit that was some of his best dialogue ever <laughs>
1: i have the power yes uh, i think I he know, plays a non-speaking part guard three or something or man with grimace <laughs> i don't you know I don't yeah. Know. there was a zoran laticorbic ltd company which is why there's that disclaimer at the beginning of the movie uh the one that says hey zoran not zoran it's totally different it's spelled differently and they're in a fashion company so whatever um maybe somebody sued i don't know Mm -hmm. believe it or not this movie was meant to be marketed to a younger audience hence the use of the duran duran opening (laughs) and them as the singers of the theme marketed Mm. to a younger like 40 (laughs) i don't know so whatever younger younger audience sure there is was, there was a scene in this film where Bond, uh, submerged beneath a sunken Rolls-Royce, breathes through a tire valve. And this scene was used mm. on an episode of Mythbusters, which we brought up many times before, especially with the Bond series. Uh, they could not reproduce that, so don't try it at home. Yeah, Do not take your Rolls-Royce, roll it into a lake, and try to breathe <laughs> through the tires. There, that's our public service announcement for today.
0: Yep, because we know, we know you kids out there, that's the next trend after eating Tide Pods.
1: kids today kids what are you going to do you can't live with him you can't shoot him okay get him off get him off my lawn Patrick McNee an actor whose career spans tons of things wanted to be in this movie what he wanted it he and Moore I
0: thought they I thought they had his family locked up or something
1: he and Moore were friends and he'd also been (laughs) a friend of Ian Fleming so yeah Yeah. good for him I guess Uh, you know Uh.
0: I wanted him to be the star. I thought it should be about the whole movie should be Sir Godfrey and a view to a kill. Well, of course, it wouldn't have been an action film at that point. Uh, for no, know it would sort of been him strolling around sedately.
1: For those who don't know, Patrick Mcnee probably is most known for his role in a '60s British, what would you call it, spy adventure weird movie TV show thing called The Avengers. No connection to the Marvel comics and/or movies of the same name. Um, None at all. He was also but... known as the voice of the supreme leader in Battlestar Galactica, but that's also another story. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Actually showed up at, at you know playing in the Supreme Leader at one point.
1: Well, he played this weird god figure thing. Ca- which yeah, Count Ebly. You know, I'm really glad you remembered that, Max. So, uh, we'll just... I'm so happy I retained this memory, but I still can't do long division. Yeah, we'll just strike down that uh, brain cell and move on. Um, yep. The blame for Walken's weird look can be equally divided <laughs> oh. between Sting, David Bowie, and Albert R. Broccoli. The, oh, dear. They wanted the former, so the latter had him made up to... Sort of look like them, I guess. We'll get back oh. to Hawkins' hair later. We will. <laughs> um, believe it or not, um, actually, not believe it or not, this was a, a fan theory, uh, or I should say, a very blatant, obvious, I can't believe they're just doing this. Uh, uh, many consider this a reworking of Goldfinger, which we will also get to later on in this show. And so much more, like the fact that Moore apparently supported the South African apartheid regime and Grace Jones not being a real fan of that. But that's a story oh, for another geez. time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yikes, <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Ah, Sir Roger. Yeah,
0: and, and, and the fact that uh, Roger Moore decided it was time for him to stop being Bond when Tanya Roberts, who is the Bond girl in this, her mother visited the set and Moore realized he was older than the mother. Yeah, we brought that up. I think it was last week or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, ca- it We cannot stress this enough. It's creepy. It,
1: it, oh, and there's lots of creepy in this movie, but eh. we'll get to that. So, the plot, because... <clears throat> mm-hmm. Plot. James Bond is on skis again, this time in Siberia. After a totally thrilling, we haven't seen it before ski chase, he escapes the many, many agents coming after him, leaping to the safety of the opening credits. Then... He falls into the most boring Bond plot ever. Blah, blah, Zorin is a really rich guy who in utter ridiculous secrecy is a defected KGB agent that's made a billion dollars in the microchip industry, owns everything, and races horses. But he's evil and up to something, TM. So Bond goes in, getting into one boring chase after another. I mean, totally thrilling chase after another, pitting himself against Mayday, Zorin's second-in-command, and Zorin himself before foiling an evil plot that would drain the San Andreas Lake, then blow up both faults, thereby flooding Silicon Valley and making Zorin the king of breathing. Or microchips, <laughs> whichever comes uh, first. This,
0: as villain plots go, this is up there with Drax's, you know, create a super race in space in terms of just dumb. At least Drax was large scale. This is what, he's not threatening the world. He just wants to blow up Silicon Valley and
1: come on. Okay. Don't we all? Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of hanky-panky between an old man and high school students, shootouts with rock-salt impregnated guns, (laughs) incredibly bad performances, and, believe it or not, a scene that Max and I to this day cannot believe happened involving a co-star of Beastmaster and a blimp. Yeah. The final entry of the Bond series to star Roger Moore, we bid farewell to the sagging flesh in a shower scene that will (laughs) nauseate you excelsior! That is the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Now on to the notes
0: the lowdown mm.
1: so in the opening Bond mm. invents snowboarding defies gravity and Ugh. incites a Beach Boys cover shazam
0: yeah god he's actually they actually start playing California girls but it's so, not so even the snowboarding Be-
1: but it's not even the Beach Boys version it's no. some like rip off version it's like some oh.
0: bad cover all I can think of, okay, yeah, look at that. He's extreme. This Uh, was the 80s, the uh, time of
1: extreme. And apparently the guy who did invent snowboarding, or at least made it popular, is the guy doing the snowboarding things. Mm -hmm. But we won't ask how Bond suddenly super glues his boots to the the front blade of a snowmobile, but whatever. (laughs) We're tired of snow.
0: And it just amazes me. Uh, the in movies the po- destructive power and phenomenal accuracy of emergency flares. Yeah, bonfires well, takes down a helicopter by shooting a flare into it. You understand those things are not supposed to be accurate. You know what they're supposed to do? Go up.
1: Well, that's it. If it had got into the cockpit, I will say it spewing all that gas in a very small area probably would have been really really difficult to deal with. That being said, of course the. Helicopter hits and something and explodes. Because <laughs> Anyway, from this moment on, all British Secret Service iceberg escape boats will be equipped with Instabed. Yes. Because <laughs> literally, he gets into... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he gets into his little uh, Blofeld iceberg escape mini-sub thing, and there's this big round couch where he pushes a button and it turns into a bed, so we yes. can have the first of many really icky squicky <laughs> scenes of elderly bond and some high school student. Yeah, you know, this is one of the first
0: movies where you can really say, you know, dude, you should just hook up with money penny. It kind of works now.
1: Yeah. Um old. This series is visually <laughs> aging along with its audience. It's Yeah. Yeah. But um uh, and then we get uh, fairly early on, we get a, a shot at these this film's uh, villain and you have to decide Whose hair is worse, Christopher Walken's <laughs> or Roger Moore's? And I, I, Max, who did you
0: pick? <laughs> I, I gotta say Moore's because Walken, at least it was—I'm pretty sure it was all his hair, which—and they just dyed it, which I think is just a shame. Because what a horrible thing to do to anybody. <laughs> yeah, seriously, and I don't see why. They, well, they obviously did it because he was like the product. It turns out that Zorin is the product of Nazi experiments, so they wanted him to look like a you know, Hitler youth. I guess. Which I'm sorry. No offense, Christopher Walken's a fine, fine actor. I really enjoy his work. He does not
1: look like an Aryan Supermensch. No, um, I do like <laughs> the fact that he is at his most walking in this movie. <laughs> he, he's, his
0: pauses are not quite Shatnerian in length <laughs> at this point, but not, <laughs> they are. He is a, so nice to meet you, Mr.
1: Bond. Uh I would just you know I just uh, had this sudden view I would love to see him play the 1966 Batman. You know, oh Robin, we've got to go now to the commissioner quickly. Yes. Joker, you <laughs> diabolical fiend. <laughs> Or who knows, maybe we could, have, we could have we could have we have a slow off between Shatner, West, and Christopher Walken. That actually might be. Oh, hey, Saturday God. Night Live! If you need some uh, some ideas for some uh, gags here or, or some skits, here's one right now. There you go. It's free. Oh, God,
0: I can just see it would be a half page of dialogue, but the scene would be an hour and a half long.
1: Mira, Mani, I'm so happy. <laughs>
0: Oh, okay, right, so hey, now we could do a whole show just on that. Uh, we could, we could.
1: And then, hey, so yeah, yeah. We, we are in Paris, lovely, lovely Paris. Uh, we get a character <laughs> who I swear his name is Frenchie. I'm Frenchie, I'm French. Did yeah. I mention? Because it is one of the... I don't think there's a serious and actual French person in this entire scene.
0: But Now, he, you expect the whole crowd to just all start going, Ho,
1: ho, ho! Oh, it's just awful. And then, so, uh, so they can't... They kill Frenchie with yeah. a fake butterfly. I cannot... Oh, yes, the
0: famous Whistling Butterfly Theater. I, it's almost impossible to describe. It's <laughs> apparently paper butterflies on fishing line with uh, people in matte black techie costumes,
1: literally controlling them with fishing rods. And some lady whistling at them. And I cannot yeah. think of a worse definition of the word entertainment than that, um, mm. then luckily, you know, it goes from bizarre, weird scene in a restaurant supposedly atop the Eiffel Tower to a wacky French car chase that, as oh. Max would say, my sides. Um, yeah. Because yeah, this one, <laughs> Bond car chases
0: are supposed to be exciting and thrilling and you know tense. And this is a friggin' cartoon. It is. It's just awful. It, and, I, and I I swear to God, halfway through it, I started expecting to hear,
1: I, You know, this movie could have been improved 100% with yackety sacks. Um, <laughs> so, at so many points. So Grace Jones' uh, character Mayday, uh, mm. subtly, uh, karate chop, uh, takes uh, the place of one of the butterfly fisherman guys, and then zaps Frenchie in the face with these. And then Bond goes chasing after it, which was leads to this whole thing. Um later on, Grace Jones totally does not recognize Bond when he shows up at Zorin's uh horse ranch thing. Uh, I don't even know where they are at this point. Are they still in France? I guess they're still in France. Whatever. Who cares? And she's just like, hmm, this guy seems suspicious. <laughs> yes, he's totally not the guy I was shooting at on the Eiffel Tower. Uh, I just ugh. Uh, and and I, here's Grace Jones. Okay, I like Grace Jones. Grace Jones, visually, I mean, she's just cool. There's just yeah. something that she has. She looks amazing. Yeah, she has real
0: presence. It,
1: even when she did that dreadful commercial with Adam Ant um, <laughs> for, I think it was Honda. I don't remember. Something like that. It was some scooter or other. Yeah. yeah. I can't. It's cool. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> Grace Jones, great choice for this. Totally wasted. And Because we have to, but, well... There's This really annoying scene where she's working out with Zorin and he beats her because he's got, you know, super Nazi juice in him or something. And we get a scene (laughs) that, quite honestly, is pretty much rape and uh, yuck. No, it's not. It's not rape. She don't want it. And he forces himself on her and she's not happy about it because when he pulls back, her face is not happy. Yeah. but she does again some... the
0: idea is that's sort of the, that's kind of their relationship she's obvious the idea is she's this creature of violence and she's she's into that and you get the also feeling she's significantly stronger
1: than he is she could probably get out of it and she's disappointed when he has to stop well I di- I disagree because we, we find out he's a Nazi Superman so he's supposed to be super strong a fact that later never shows up in the film uh, hang on he's never they never say
0: he's supposed to be super strong he's supposed to be super intelligent
1: well, they said that they had also been doing gene stuff that did that as well. But that's mm-hmm. why he was beating her. That To be fair, I'm sorry. If you're going to put Christopher Walken and Grace Jones together, uh, she's going to walk out. He's not.
0: Yeah.
1: Name Walken or not. Uh, yeah. My take on the scene was that he was forcing himself. And let's face it, it's a white guy forcing himself on a black woman. So whatever. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an, an uncomfortable, uncomfortable scene. scene.
0: Um, However, not as uncomfortable as the sequence that comes later when Mayday finds Bond waiting in her bed for her. And we are supposed to, yeah, we're supposed to believe that they're hot, that at least they're, if not hot for each other, at least willing to have sex with each other. Uh, And it is like watching someone bang two bricks together.
1: (laughs) Uh, Fun fact, I didn't include this in the trivia, but um, for whatever reason, uh, when she gets into bed, uh, Grace Jones had a dildo with her, I don't know what she did with it. Uh uh, but whatever. But hey, we're skipping ahead because we're missing mm-hmm. we're missing the entrance of Master Thespian Tanya Roberts. <laughs> oh. oh Lord, of all the Bond
0: girls. Huh? I mean, I would rather have Denise Richards as Christmas Jones than <laughs> She was just she, boring. <laughs> she was yeah, but so is Tanya Roberts. Also, not Tanya Roberts can't act no she just is
1: a bad actor no and there's actually this is skipping way ahead but there's she's supposed to be a geologist or seismologist yes. or whatever and there is a scene late in the film where they come across the magic explain to you everything map in the mind because whatever and you can literally see robert robert struggling with her lines as she tries to explain the evil plot tm and well anything having to do with her character's job to bond i swear her eyes dart off screen to her cue cards it's Mm. just awful um she's probably a nice person and she probably um, apparently she is not. Oh well, okay. <laughs> she was
0: she was actually very famous for being incredibly difficult to work with. You know that secret sequ- again? We are jumping ahead, where uh, they're infiltrating the mine. They're disguising themselves as miners and they're putting on like the the standard Bond henchman jumpsuits. <laughs> That every, every Bond villain, they all have the same, they must all shop at the same, like, villain outlet store. Yeah. And uh, he looks, Bond looks over at her and sort of smirks, I'm glad you found one that fits. Now, this is because Tanya Roberts insisted on having a specially tailored jumpsuit that was flattering to her right. that line where he says I'm glad you found one that's not in the script no. he ad-libbed it and the director was so annoyed at Tanya Roberts at that point
1: that they left it in and you have to remember that Tanya Roberts at this point and the reason she was hired for this film's biggest role was in Beastmaster so yeah oh she was one of Charlie's Angels too yeah that's fine yeah but she was, yeah. That, she's like like Curly Joe
0: yeah. <laughs> You know, yes, yeah, she was kind of one of the shemps, yeah, she
1: was definitely a shemp. Um, <laughs> and in Beastmaster, she, um, yeah, she was great. Uh, oh, yeah, anyway, yeah. uh, after that, we're at this stud farm and they're trying to figure out the ridiculous plot. So we get some bumbling spies, we get some bumbling guards, both of which upset Holmes no end because no end, yeah, yep, but Holmes hates bumbling, but then. Because as we all know, in, a, in any Bond film, let's face it, it doesn't matter who it is. Um, we have to have a scene where they finally figure out, oh, he's a secret agent. By the power of my amiga, Zoran, as well as everyone <laughs> in the world ever, instantly knows who Bond really is. But believe it or not, that scene where they do facial yes. recognition on the, uh, the, what's I think it's an amiga. I don't know. I don't care. Uh, one of the higher ups in the CIA, CIA saw this and said, hey, can we do this? And they said, well, no. He said, well, do that. And they invented facial recognition because of this.
0: Uh, Yeah, I read that too. I I think someone else was already working on it, but yeah, the CIA wanted it. Thank you, Bond.
1: So then we get this horse riding chase scene, which is exceedingly lame because we're led to believe that uh, Zorin, who's going to take Bond down a notch, has built into his racetrack test area all of the jumps where the guy cunningly standing next to them with his finger poised on a button uh, waits for Bond to show up and then makes the jumps higher or further out or stuff. Yeah, apparently he has his entire dressage uh course, rigged for cheating. Well, it wouldn't be dressage. Dressage is that weird dancing thing they do. This is ah, literally right. this is uh, steeple, steeple chasing. Chase? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Why would you do this? You wouldn't. You never would. Mm. And you, and it's, I swear, the henchmen are going with yeah. literally their fingers on a button by each jump. And then there, the, the idea is that that uh, they have implanted a chip that sw- um, puts an injection of horse um, steroids or horse uh, endorphins or whatever into the horse which is why he wins uh, which this is um, yeah this is the beginning of the Goldfinger rip off scenes but uh, then they go running off and eventually Bond looks like he's going to escape but oh no he didn't and they've killed poor Patrick Mcnee, whom I'm hoping thought hey um, instead of lasting this whole movie could you just kill me now hey you guys could you kill me now kill me now please yeah. um, well, oh, and, nice. I, and they're just like hey now we're going to take care of you And all I can think of is, shoot Bond! Just shoot him! Just somebody just
0: shoot him in the... Yeah, again, then you get the Austin Powers. I have a gun in my room. I'll go get it. Two in the head. It's over. It'll be fun. No, I'm going to put him in an easily escapable death trap, then close the doors and leave and assume everything
1: worked according to plan. What? Yeah, and I actually made the mistake of watching Austin Powers the night before watching this, because I, I said, oh, I haven't seen this in a while. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is one of the reasons they made this movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so then we get the whole, let's explain to the audience what we're doing scene. And this, if you missed any of the Goldfinger references up till now, this will basically because that's the whole project Grand Slam scene in Goldfinger is reenacted on a blimp and yeah. um, and
0: this plan is idiotic. <laughs> you know what his plan is Zorin makes microchips. yes you know who else makes microchips Silicon Valley yeah. if I destroy Silicon Valley, I'll have no competition yeah okay, so many things wrong with that one, silicon valley does not make microchips (laughs) even in 1985 taiwan china south korea asia was making the microchips there were maybe 10 chips being made in silicon valley that would and even if you blew up silicon valley so well okay not a bad thing. You would have gotten rid of 1985 Microsoft. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Hi, I'm Clippy. I think you're making a letter. Can I <laughs> <Boom>! help? <laughs> this might have. Yeah, you know, this would have stopped Microsoft Bob. <laughs> and now uh, there's a deep cut for you. Ooh. Only real hardcore computer nerds remember Microsoft Bob.
1: Thankfully, I do not. Yeah. Yeah,
0: just as well. Yeah. But uh, it's the the plot. The the, the villain scheme is just. Stupid and, un- and overly de- complicated and destructive.
1: Yeah. And they take one guy says, I don't want any part of this, Ugh. just like in Goldfinger. They take him out and toss him out of the blimp. And in that moment, we achieve both blimp and the movie title because Walken has to say mm. he had a view to a kill. No, no, no. Do not, two <laughs> things. Do not put the Bond theme, which apparently does show up in this movie. I didn't hear it. And Mm. or the title of a Bond film, In the Bond Film. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because... Then we get yet another dull car chase. He escapes in a Corvette. And it is probably the dullest Bond car chase ever. (laughs) Because... I didn't even think
0: it counted as a car chase. I thought it was more like just merging (laughs) with a little attitude. pretty much
1: Bond gets in a Corvette and they drive off. Yeah. I mean, that's... (laughs) Then... (laughs) We get a scene in a hot tub with Zenya on a top, or whatever her name is, and... Oh, no, but first, no, no,
0: first, there's another part of r- a piece of ridiculousness when they, you know, the,
1: the, they're
0: they're out on the, the, the looking at one of uh, Zoran's oil platforms, where again, a really stupid thing, they, they're they talking about, oh no, we've got to hurry, we we, we we can't afford any delays, this intake fan isn't working, hmm, but by the way, throw this human body into it. <laughs> Really, an yeah. incredible one of the densest things you could probably throw in, which is almost guaranteed to destroy the fan. You people are morons. You deserve to be to fall out of a blimp.
1: Well, also, so they take this guy who is—I think he's one of the KGB agents we see earlier when Zoran mm-hmm. goes, "Ha ha! I leave the KGB and all of you. Goodbye!" And I think it's one of those guys. And mm-hmm. when they're going to try and throw him down this this pipe, and he's struggling, all I can think of is, "Dude, just go. There's a ladder." <laughs> Good
0: point. Just leap in, grab on, and climb down. Let him come get you. Yeah, yeah. That is well. Uh, before that is when we do meet our old friend General Gogol. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Uh,
1: that's the other thing. Then it turns out he what, what? Well, that's what you're getting to. It's like Gogol shows up and says, "Ah, you must come back into the fold." And he goes, "Um, I decided, as this secret agent cover that you've given me, that I would just go ahead and make billions of dollars and um say the hell with you." <laughs> it's like wait. And Gogol is basically. like Damn! Didn't think of that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that made,
0: oh, actually that makes perfect sense. Sorry. Uh, yeah.
1: So, th- so then a... Bond goes off with this 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 nice Russian lady who has Pola Ivanova. Whatever. Which
0: I looked I looked up the actress Fiona Fullerton. She was literally half Bond's age.
1: And they're in a hot tub, and it's a phony mm-hmm. hot tub, which is even grosser. And mm. she she has got the the goods. The 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 made a recording of what they were saying in the secret layer TM. And uh, she cleverly um, puts it in her robe. <laughs> Bond just yeah, as cleverly s- switches tapes. She she gets away, whatever, whatever. Um, it's just gross. It's another one of those scenes. We get some really bad product placement here and then. Some of the worst. Yeah. And then, I know I'm skipping ahead, but then, of course, we we, we get together with, with what's her, Stacy? Ta-
0: Tanya Roberts, yes, in her big uh, southern mansion. Thing. With her cat, who's... What does it say on the cat's dish? Its name is Pussy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what. Yeah. The, ups- <laughs> the they're not even trying
1: to conceal it with no. an octo I think or it a says, galore. I think it says like little bit of the pussy, like is it's what yeah. you see. I no, think later actually, at you the end, it.
0: you you, you later do see it. Yeah. Full, it says full, yeah. full on. Yeah. Yes, they meet up. They have zero chemistry.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, I don't. In her performance, again, I'm not going to make any comments of her as a person, but in her performance on her own, Tanya Roberts has no chemistry. <laughs> yeah, yes. um, Tanya Roberts
0: has no chemistry even with herself. In
1: fact, there's a scene where, uh, if you remember, Christopher Walken is talking about to his plan to his to the the I don't know what they are his his advisors or his his. Uh, and his Patreons, I don't know. And uh, he lifts, he sticks his hand in some sand to illustrate that microchips are made from common sand. Um, I honestly don't know which has more of a screen presence, the handful of sand or <laughs> uh, Anyway, I, then I keep yeah. we find out that she's this, she works for the city. So we get to thrill, because I know, Max, you felt chills go down your spine oh, yeah. as we watch Bond. Search through city records.
0: Oh man. Now, I gotta say, I've been in a lot of municipal buildings. I, I've been in, I have never seen a single place where the place where the room where they kept the files had a big sign on it that says file room. <laughs> and this, you see, I, I can't just blame this movie. Half the movies where anyone's searching for it in, in, in a municipal building, in a city or state building, it always says file room. Tell me, has
1: anyone ever seen that? Really? (laughs) Well, you failed to notice the sign on the door that says "Nobody breaks in here." (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, do not break in
0: here. We mean it. Yes, we we have the. the, No one will be seated during the fascinating (laughs) file record search.
1: (laughs) And then, and then, of
0: course, it's a a trap. It's a trap.
1: It's a trap. That. So then, the bad guys show show up. and this there. we
0: have to we have to summarize because this is just a really stupid sequence. I'll summarize. They by miss. kill a...
1: Shoot Bond. Shoot Bond. Shoot Bond. <laughs> shoot Bond. No, yes. they're gonna make no them, make
0: big them elaborate things. Set building on fire. Put him in an elevator. Hey Max, that they I bet you didn't know this. Get out.
1: Bacardi rum. You did not know this. This is. Uh, you yeah. know, Max. Yeah. I bet you did yeah. not know this, Max. But Bacardi yeah. rum, when you ignite it, burns at three thousand degrees, and will <laughs> I burn. I did not know that. It will burn right through elevator cables. <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah, that, that rum burns remarkably long and incredibly hot. Hot enough to melt through. Because, you know, Bacardi
1: rum will not melt steel beams. Yeah, but that's okay because it's not so hot that they can't, like, you know, escape through. Yeah, whatever through it and then, none of their clothes ignite. Hey, did we mention boring, pointless, badly done car chase scenes? Because we God. get one more with Bond in a fire truck. And believe it and again,
0: or not, it's a would, cartoon.
1: Yeah, you would think, hey, a uh, chase through San Francisco in a fire truck—that's to- exci- no, it's not. It is not. It really isn't. It should be. It should
0: be awesome. But, and it's dull. It is. It is very. dull. The only dull. interesting thing was apparently the stunt guy who was supposed to drive the truck was too short. He was too short. So Moore is
1: actually driving the truck because he was he was a lorry driver before he became an actor. And I'm hoping after this movie he went back to it. <laughs> <laughs> Then we get to the mine, which is near the end of the film. We're obviously going through this quickly because we actually do. Or we're going to do something a little different today. But the, we get to the, the uh, empty silver mine, which bears a striking resemblance to the mine in the um, Temple of Doom film. But whatever. Yeah. Um, when they go in, all
0: I keep thinking is Kalima. <laughs> Kalima. Uh, as
1: they're approaching, i.e. sneaking into the mine area with, uh, Bond puts on a hat. That's that's it. <laughs> yes. We get perhaps that's his elaborate disguise. Yep. We get perhaps the dumbest line in a Bond film oh, ever. Yes. Looking over at one of the trucks, Bond says, and I quote, because I wrote it down, that truckload of explosives should last them for months. <laughs> uh, oh wait i thought tanya roberts said that. no i mean who he then cares? says here comes next year's supply you know who cares who says it it's a stupid line because it's just like hey audience i hope you notice that large pile of explosives <laughs> okay and then they Gosh. they set up the explosives and that's again where we see tanya roberts struggling in her yes um here's we also get to the part where we see how evil Zorin is how evil is he you might ask oh
0: he is so evil he's going to blow a hole in lake san andreas or the lake could plot convenience <laughs> fill the san andreas and the hayward faults with seawater yeah which now i i'm not a geologist or a seismologist i have no idea if this would work i kind of doubt it would but they're going to fill it with water And ignite a double earthquake, which is even rarer than a double rainbow. Yeah. And somehow this will only work inward into Silicon Valley and crush it like a
1: bug. Yeah. And he's so evil that he will start the flooding of the mine, flooding all the workers and even Mayday and some of his own men. And then the workers who are trying to escape, he will machine gun with his second and now second in command... um, Whose name I don't think we ever. I, hear. N- we don't care. I only know him. It's like I know that, but oh, he was in an episode of Columbo. That's all I remember. Uh, oh, okay. But then we get to a scene, which is quite honestly the only scene I remember from this movie. Max and I Ugh. saw this together in Leicester Square in England in 1995 when it came out, and we got shushed for giggling because Stacy gets out of <sighs> the mine first and is standing on a hill. Bond with the help of Mayday, has got out a different hill. Zoran, who is upset to see that the bomb he very carefully placed on top of the stack of explosives has in fact been brought out on a hand car and explodes with Mayday on it and not where it's supposed to, causing his amazing plan to go off. So he literally sneaks up behind Stacy with his blimp. Yes, he is flying a
0: small blimp.
1: And he Which... grabs her through the open door. As yeah,
0: because she couldn't hear the engines that are driving the blimp. She could, her peripheral vision did not notice a sixty-foot blimp coming up behind her. Oh, a and of course, blimps are very. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, blimps are very stealthy.
1: Yeah. And Max and I have been quoting for years. Nobody actually says this in the film, but we've been quoting. No. What is it? So now what? Uh, we've been quoting this for 35 years. Stacy, look out. Look a out. A blimp. <laughs> yep.
0: The actual line is Stacy behind you.
1: It's fine because it's just that sets the yeah, whole it's... tone for this movie. Stacy, look yeah. out. A blimp. It should have been yeah. actually on the poster.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then there's, you know fight on the blimp, yes, and he's hanging on the but, line. But, Max,
1: I have a question for you, and I hope you can yeah. answer this, because I, I, I looked through the internet, all of it, the entire internet, I whacked wow. my tiny brain. Um, can you answer this for me, Max? Why, yeah. why oh why, is there dynamite in the blimp's fridge?
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, maybe you're all flying, and you know, you're enjoying yourself, and you go, you know what would make this moment perfect? Dynamite.
1: Yeah. You
0: want to make sure you're ready. I don't know why they have dynamite in a
1: blimp. Sp- I mean, at least this wasn't a hydrogen blimp. But it's Evil Dr. No. Scientist is still on the blimp, and there's this fight on top of the Golden Gate Bridge because reasons and stuff. And yeah. Dr. Evil Scientist, seeing his, um, I don't know, genetically created son get killed by Bond, enrages him, so he runs to the fridge, grabs some dynamite, is holding in his hand menacingly long enough for... Bond to uh, whip an axe at him. Uh, this causes Dr. Evil Scientist to fall back into the blimp. Uh, Second to me, I'm oh no, and the blimp to thankfully fly and, off and explode. Yeah, and there is literally a cartoon
0: like scene where the henchman and the Nazi doctor who created Zorin are basically bobbling the dynamite between them, going, you know, no, you take it. Nope, no, what?
1: Take it. <laughs> yeah, and then. Ugh. The film ends on an exceedingly I mean, lame joke and an even lamer icky shower scene. And, yeah, I didn't, and again, there's you know a, it,
0: I never knew this. Q apparently invented the K9 robot.
1: Yeah, except it's a from Doctor D-line. Who. Yeah. And he uses yeah. it, excuse me, he uses it to spy on Bond in the shower, which all in and of itself is not at all icky. Yeah, so Back we've got an old guy in the shower and an pearls. older guy watching them on Cat Robot. Uh, whose name might be Pussy too? who knows. (laughs) Um, Now, I did not catch this, but we are supposed to be uh, uh, gifted with a visual metaphor as Roger Moore literally tosses in the towel, signifying the end of him as Bond. Yeah, he throws the towel over the
0: robot so it can't watch him... Uh, ik, la,
1: la, 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 la. I can't yeah. Yeah, Thank
0: so. God they had they used one of those opaque shower doors because, you know, he's in the shower with Tanya Roberts, and it's like, oh, Grandpa, no. <laughs> and then Great Grandpa, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Q, the look on Q's face when he realizes what he's looking at is one of the most disturbing moments in the movie. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm
1: going to get me some good Bond action. (laughs) Oh, rats.
0: Yeah. Okay. The Roundup. So, in case you haven't noticed, we did not care for this movie.
1: Yeah, in general, usually we would continue talking about how much we love this film and we'd do our wrap-up. But we do want to do something different. So, uh, before we get to that, yes, no, Max and I, we picked... I'm going to go ahead and say the worst for last. I honestly think this is the worst Bond film. One of the main reasons yeah. is dull, 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 dull. Yeah. You boring. don't care no. about any of it. There's no tension. No. All the car traces are lame. If, if they're even memorable. And I think there's three of them. Um, then none of the locations look good. Everything's brightly lit. Um, I don't believe for an instant that that restaurant's in the Eiffel Tower. I don't even know if they have mm-hmm. one. Maybe they do. But I don't think it looks like that. I really don't believe that people are excited and can't wait to see a lady whistling at paper butterflies being thrown around <laughs> fishing poles. I ugh. Although Jerry Lewis. Oh, no, no, no. no. Oh, Bond's too old. Um, it's, he should have, a, should have had a desk job 20 years ago. Uh, even yeah. Roger Moore was quoted as saying Bond should be played by somebody in their 30s. Yeah. There's just... uh, Even Sean Connery said that. He said, I'm too old, Roger's too old. Yeah. It's just unmemorable, um, except for the blimp. (laughs) Yeah, the blimp is pretty funny, but no, this, this movie's a waste of time. It is, totally.
0: But thanks to Cheese Boy... Yes, thank you Cheese Boy. We uh, you will also remember as one of our guests Ned Martinez and the person who fired us
1: although I't hear S- him I didn't hear him ponying up to take over this little shindy, yeah, this yeah. little road show but uh, he suggested uh, hey, how about some questions you might want to answer about the series as a whole and Max and I thought, hey, why don't we actually spend some time at the end of the last of the series episodes to do such a thing so
0: and this is the last of the series, so we're going to do such a thing. The Roundup.
1: Max, so I'm going to uh, bring forth some of the questions as uh, as I'm hosting this week. Uh, that uh, sure. young cheese boy. See, so if you suggest things, you might actually get onto the show again. Or That's even mention. Right. Cheese boy. Cheese boy, cheese boy, cheese boy. There. You yep. got mentioned. And he's get he's going to get half the money we make from this, sh- this week's show. You know what? Let's give him three quarters.
0: <laughs> we are okay. We're so generous.
1: <laughs> right. So, Max, I'm going to put it to yeah. you. Is there an actor... That you would like to see, at some point, doesn't have to be next. Any point, would is there an actor you would like to see take over the role of James Bond?
0: There was one that they that was in talks to do it, and I would have loved to see this Idris Elba. Okay, I thought he would have made a great Bond, a very different take on it. But he's got some of the elements. He's got the presence. He's got the the subtle menace. He's got the you know he would look good in a tuxedo.
1: Yeah, we have one slight problem with Idris. Uh, he's man. a little old for the job. He's, 40, that's the he's only, 47.
0: That's the only it. Yeah, that's the problem. It should have if he had, they'd given it to him like 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. That would have been fine. Other than that, I don't know. I I tend to like to sort of be surprised by like who are they going to throw? I don't I don't always
1: predict. But do you have someone you would like to see? Well, I don't know. I mean, part of me wants to consider a young man that is probably still too young. Um, but who has been given a very similar role in another franchise, and that's Taron Egerton. Do you think Um, if he matured a little, if we got him into his 30s, what do you think?
0: I think he could probably do it. The problem is with all those, the Kingsman
1: roles, he's kind of already done it. Yeah. But, I mean, who knows? Could he bring something? Now, of course, bringing something new, we're pretty much already, I mean, it's at the cat's out of the bag, that in the, the last daniel craig film which is coming out this year we're going to have somebody taking over the number but not the name and that is that a young black woman who we haven't seen yet um but i'm thinking that's fine i don't mind changing the gender of let's i don't know if i want to change the gender of james bond but i would love to see a movie with a woman spy and we saw um jinx when we saw Halle berry Mm -hmm. play jinx and i'm like hey you know what why are not we do a movie about her? And I think that this is actually kind of a callback to that character. Because I thought, up until the point they had to make her the damsel in distress, that Halle Berry's Jinx was a pretty cool character, and I liked her. Yeah, that could have worked.
0: In an otherwise so, yeah, horrible movie. I'll wait and see. I mean, I think if they want to make a change, you know, it's been half a century. They they might, might as well do something, try to make it more interesting. Because I think that also leads into some other of the questions that Cheese Boy asks.
1: Yeah, which it does. Um, he asked, uh, are there any different eras of Bond? The way what he actually asked was, do you think that there's different eras of Bond besides the eras of the actor who plays him? You know, do you feel like, oh, the world changed, so did Bond? I'm going to ask you first, Max. Did you think that that is, is evident in the films? And if so, oh, where think, and how? Oh,
0: definitely. I think it's definitely true. The early Bonds were very much based on the Cold War. Right. And uh, they were they were also, you know... Movies of and in the 60s, a very different style and a very different, you know, aesthetic. And it was also very different politically. It was pretty straightforward. It's like England, good, Russia, bad.
1: Kreplakistan
0: or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah except even then they were a little cagey about it. A little KGB about it, even.
1: <laughs> oh. oh, you are so fired just for that.
0: <laughs> in that. They came up you know, while the books are very much, you know, Bond versus Russia. The, you know, the movies are more well. No, it's this evil organization, Spectre, right? But uh, it the lines between good and evil, and you know who was the, who were the good guys, who were the bad guys, were very clearly
1: drawn. Yeah. in the early in the early movies in the sixties. See, I'm going to have a differing opinion here. Um, I think that the eras of Bond don't really change, except for the actor, until we get to Daniel Craig. And the reason I say that is it is still Bond against some giant world plot. Um, yeah, KGB, okay, whatever, becomes Evil Bad Spectre, but the feel of them really is the same. Um I mean, in this case, you know, view to a kill, we're hearkening back to Goldfinger. It's the same plot, basically. Oh, evil rich guy wants to become evil richer by making other people's source of income worth less and his worth more. Um, I don't think they do anything different in the, um... Uh, what's his name? The one that came after uh, more. Uh, uh, Timothy Dalton. Uh, Timothy Dalton ones work the same way. Big, giant, evil, bad guy plots. I mean, they don't have blimps, I'll admit. But yeah. <laughs> and then I think that uh, we, we run into the same problem with Pierce Brosnan. It's, you know, we but get. Pierce
0: Brosnan, though, and we talked about this in, admittedly, another terrible one, you know, what, di- another, Dianetics? I don't
1: remember. <laughs> the one with di- the invisible I think car. It was diuretics, is what you're thinking. Yeah.
0: About, yeah. Uh, well, they, we talked about where that was one of, that changed because it also gave us a more realistic idea of what happens to spies. You know, he he gets caught. Well, and he and he gets traded and, he and gets, well you, fed. Yeah, yes, and well fed and there's surprise, an attempt, obviously exercise, but
1: there's an attempt, but it's still things are too big. Still, things are still too worldwide, and quite honestly, f- way too fantastical. And I think that one of the things that the Daniel Craig films do is they dial things back and they quite honestly make it a lot more personal, especially with uh, Skyfall. It's like, I'm not here to take over anything. I'm here to screw you because you screwed me. Yeah. And it's true. They bring the scale down and
0: there aren't, you know, orbiting death lasers <laughs>
1: with freaking sharks attached to them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that they, they, I mean, and it, it worked. Even this film made back five times its budget worldwide, which is why they kept doing this. Mm. And I think that they kind of stuck to a formula and it really doesn't change that much. Um, So Mm. for me, I'm not saying Max is wrong. I'm saying that my, oh, no, I'm saying Max is wrong. No, Max isn't (laughs) wrong. To him, he sees delineations. I see a broader brushstroke of the same thing over and over again with different faces. Um, Mm. And it gets- I think that's reasonable. Yeah. I think you have points too. I just think for me, this is how I see it. Mm. And related to that, the last of Cheese Boy's questions before I add my own: Is Bond still relevant? I will also add a follow-up: Was Bond ever relevant?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a that's a tough question. I mean, in the again in the old movies, they make it clear that he's very relevant. And the fact is, if you look back at the intelligence. Game or agencies or whatever in the older in the old days when the OSS became the CIA and when the NSA was formed and when you got MI6 and the and all, all the other secret services yeah the there was a lot of focus on the individual spy mm-hmm. because that's how you got things done yep. you didn't have drones you didn't have cyber attacks or Facial electronic surveillance <laughs> yeah or or, or 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 electronic surveillance you had a guy had to break into a place and take something or take pictures or walk up behind someone in the street and shoot them in the back of the head. And that part there's the fact is a lot of that. Yeah, that's still relevant. Yes. We can kill people with drones, but really with a
1: lot of these guys, it's going to be a busboy with a silencer. I, I would agree that the early bond films, uh, up, mostly the Connery ones and mostly the earliest ones mm. were very much not only a product of their time, but they were mirroring something to do with the spy community, if you will. Yeah, um, it was the fear of the Cold War. Uh, Max, I think you did see it, but did you see a movie called Bridge of Spies? Yeah, I did. Um, that was the the Tom Hanks uh, um, yep. Spielberg film. St- I really liked that film. It's yeah, me it's too. It's not one of Spielberg's big like jurassic parky type films it's it's a little bit calmed down but it it's very like hey we have literally a guy to go across the bridge and talk to another guy that's what we have you Mm -hmm. know this guy is a lawyer he's not a spy he's not an assassin and before bond gets crazy you know again (laughs) um um with russia from russia with love even with dr no when things are really still really low key it's very much probably to some extent the way that things work now i've read a lot of people who were part of that community say yeah there's nobody that can do everything if you want somebody to be shot you get a sniper if you want somebody to be poisoned you get a poisoner it's never one guy who does everything so of course it's fantasy but i think that as as soon as we get into roger moore the films have a lot less to do with anything to do with spying and a lot more to do with just entertainment. And the way that they reflect the times has much more to do with things like popular culture and stuff that they include in the film itself. So for me, they get very much less relevant as they go on, especially when they start have to inventing. you know, plots and, and bad guys He's like, well, they're our friends now so we can't be mean to them. Uh, if we want this film <laughs> to show in this country, well, uh, I mean, they got into a lot of trouble when Pierce Brosnan went to Korea because uh, the pe- people in the film who were Korean were chastised by their country. It's like, why are you playing this horrible stereotype? And mm-hmm. their answer was, um... <clears throat> they, pay- they
0: paid me a lot of money. Yeah. Um...
1: <laughs> so I think that the for me the idea of bond being quote-unquote relevant i don't think it's actually the point and i don't think that i think a lot of what's done for spying today is quite honestly done in a room you know a lot of it is i
0: mean that i think is you're right bond is a fantasy was a fantasy and he still is and part of that fantasy is that one person right can make it that much of a difference, that one person can tip the scales. Well, please. maybe you want to argue, maybe that's true in some cases. But in the cases of espionage, no, it's done by organizations. It's yeah. done by a massive support system. It's done by intelligence gatherers, analysts, profilers, computer
1: technicians, weapons specialists, all- thousands and thousands of people. I would like to also add something to Max's one person can make a difference because we will know what Max really meant was one white guy.
0: Yeah, that's the the other thing. One white guy, preferably one white English guy. Yeah,
1: and and that's one of the ways that Bond is very much not relevant. Bond Mm. does not mirror any of the social struggles that happened through the time. Like the fact that, oh look, there's all these black people and live or let die. Yeah, all of them are bad guys. All of them. And they're, no. oh, look, they're all very stereotypical. It's like, no, no. So getting people of color into roles in the film, almost never. When they are, they're subservient roles. They don't last long or they die. Um, or they're tennis pros who want to be actors. <laughs> the way that Bond and the movie treats women, very much not relevant uh, in general. We start to see some action on that in the Daniel Craig years, but it's still, there's a long way to go um these films are meant to be entertainment uh in some cases like today's film they fail miserably but i would say as far as relevant i'm gonna say in general bond is not a relevant franchise Uh, it's my phone going off Uh, (laughs) uh, i'm going to pause for edit here i'll be right back (laughs) hello yeah
0: okay continue (laughs)
1: Yeah, I don't know. We we talk about relevant. You you also have Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll just like, the... finish up my podcast of which I'm in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, bye.
0: <laughs> oh, whoa, you were actually on the phone. Okay.
1: Yeah, sorry cuz it's like he wouldn't call if he didn't need to. So, oh, anyway, is everything okay? Yeah, he's just coming by to pick me up. Anyway. Oh, okay. Um so uh, yeah, uh, t- t- so relevant, I'm going to say generally no.
0: I don't know. You also have things like the Jason Bourne movies, which are basically an Amer- sort of an Americanized Bond.
1: Yeah.
0: But again, which also where that's a little more relevant because it also talks about the lengths that the intelligence community will go to get their job done. And that's more about the organization than the man and there's a certain amount of where Bourne is a victim, but
1: it's still about the power of one operative right the big issue too is you talked a lot about technology which is a very important point and the born books were written in the early 80s late 70s early 80s so of course the technology was again not nearly mm. what it is today meaning that a lot of the grunt work can be done from a room yeah um,
0: but you still need boots on the ground you yeah. still need the guy in you know the guy breaking into the embassy to steal something, but it's true—you don't have the guy who then breaks into the embassy, steals something, seduces somebody, gets information out of them, assassinates six people, beats up a guy with a with a steel cravat, yeah, and then comes home. No, you, it's true—you have a team, you have, you, you have an organization.
1: Okay, uh, what if anything do you think this series as a whole is trying to say? Uh, for me, it's that white guys are the best of all. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, let's face it. A lot of it was trying to say, England is still relevant. Yeah. I'm sorry. A lot of those, all of the Ian Fleming books yeah. were trying to point out. Because you notice always Spectre and Smirsch and all the others are always trying to mess with England. Not America, England. Yeah. And I'm I'm sorry. After World War II, England's relevance as a world power, it's still there, but it's pretty decreased and honestly if you're trying to take over the western world you don't really start with Buckingham Palace
1: <laughs> yeah I, you know to be fair this thing was not designed as a giant arc there's no arc mm-hmm. in Bond. No. So I think, quite honestly, what the series is trying to say is, hey, just don't think, sit back, enjoy it, and give us your money. Yeah, this
0: is supposed <laughs> to be fun. This yeah. is entertainment. It's not, I don't think there is ever supposed to be a particularly um, deep message. I no. don't think it was supposed to uh, lead public opinion. It, yeah, they no. didn't create the enemies. They just they reflected who people were afraid of at the time or who,
1: who was relevant. Yep. And uh, lastly, Max... Having watched even just the eight films that we watched out of the 53 films that are in the Bond franchise, wow. what have we learned? Max, uh, what have you learned? Well, well,
0: let's see. I've learned that you can carry a laser in your wristwatch that's powerful enough to melt steel without needing a power supply the size of an 18-wheeler. Uh, I, I've learned that you can kill somebody with a bowler hat. Uh and I've, lear- I've learned that you just have to say a couple of quips and wear a nice suit and women will immediately have sex with you.
1: Oh, man, I keep...
0: Oh well, wait, that wouldn't work for me.
1: Mm. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that, you know, all, all of all the above, you know, what Max said is, is definitely yeah. true. Uh, I want to say that you can just sit there and pistol whip a premise and a, oh, I'd even <laughs> say an entire plot... To death, and people will keep paying for it, which is mm. a big problem. And I have learned two very important things. One of which is that truckload of explosives should last them <laughs> for months, and the other <laughs> toss don't stack. Don't
0: stack. There is one other one other thing. While James Bond itself may not be relevant, you can't deny that. I it, it, he's created such a trope mm. that everything, so many things, just making fun of it. Are out there. You've got the. I mean, I hate to use this as an example. There's a Playmobil movie either coming out or out I where think it's the gone. main character. Oh, really? Yeah. I mu- I must have blinked. <laughs> but the one of the main characters is basically obviously a toy version of James Bond. There was an animated movie "Spies in Disguise" where Will Smith voices a spy who's clearly based on James Bond. James Bond's influence is everywhere. Yeah. Except nowadays, it's mostly as a joke. Yeah. The, the way it was most effective
1: probably was Austin Powers. Yeah, Re- recently. I mean, I enjoy the Daniel Craig movies a lot. I don't think they influence yeah. anything. Maybe the way they shoot the action, but certainly not the character and not the, mm-hmm. the setting. But yeah. hmm. now I think we will bring Get em, Jimmy to a close, which yes. means that we're going to start a new series next week. Max. Yes, we are. What is that new series and what film should our loyal listeners, royal and loyal, I said at the same time, and well groomed. Oh, wow, very much so. Uh, what should they watch ahead of time so they can be up to date? Well, we're
0: going back, back to the days when we was mean widow kids.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're going, yeah. I'm gonna dip right. your pigtails in an inkwell. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. a you Recess. So's your old man.
0: Yeah. Go soak your head. <laughs> Yeah, we are going back to this new next series called When We Was Kids. Yeah. We're going back to the movies that we loved when we were young and see, did they hold up or were we just stupid?
1: Now, please note, not all of these films will, in fact, be kids' films. In fact, I'm no. not sure most of them are, but... Well, a couple of them. The first film. What is the first yeah. film? The first film is my choice, and it was a movie that...
0: After I got over being scared of it when I was five, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And that is The Beatles' Yellow Submarine. Ooh, a blue meaning. Ooh.
1: And so, that is what Max, we will be talking about next week. Max. <laughs> nice, Max. Yes.
0: Yes, your blueness.
1: <laughs> next week, Max. <laughs> and so for all of you no. listeners, next week,
0: Max. Next week. <laughs> Stop saying that. Max. It's creepy.
1: Maxi, waxy, woo-woo.
0: This has been a co-production of the Voice of Max and the Movie Wrench.